Today's daf is daf mem test page forty nine. We're going to go back to the bottom of the Mishnah mem chesam base four lines from the bottom. Here we go. If an ox intends to gore another ox, instead of goring the other ox, this ox got terrible lame and he gores a pregnant woman. And the baby is now, uh, there's a miscarriage. Potter, he does not need to pay for the value of the Vlades, which we'll describe in the Gemara how you evaluate, um, I'm sorry, we'll describe in the second half of the Mishnah how you evaluate the child. However, if a person intends to give his friend an uppercut, and by mistake, he hits a pregnant woman and the babies get killed, you do pay for the value of the child. How do you pay for the value of the child? How much she's worth when pregnant? She worked after giving birth. Now, yesterday we said that after giving birth, you now have two people, it might be worth more. We'll see in the Gemara, it's not so passionate, not so simple. It could be that actually a woman is uh, worth less afterwards, which we'll get into. Amr of Shimming Amlil of Shimlil says, We now turn to the top of today's daf. Daf Mem Tesum Aleph, all the way on top for those just logging on. He says, Im Kane. If so, as after she gives birth, she should go up in value. Okay, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. We don't really know yet what he's saying. You look at the children individually. You don't evaluate the children based off of the woman's value before and after. You evaluate the children independently. The nice in the bal, and this is a chiddish, this is a very novel idea. The mother of the child is not the one who receives the value of the offspring. And again, keep in mind, we're dealing here strictly with finances. We're not really dealing with the value of a life. You can never put a value on a life. We're dealing with financial. Financial payments are going to go to the father of the baby. We're going to see the soon in the Gemara where that's, what the source is. For nice the Bali, give the money to a husband. If there's no husband, now again, the husband over here is referring to a father of the child. Nice in the Yarsha, the husband's family, whoever inherits the husband, Gets the uh, gets the um, the money. I used to shifcha finished achra. Let's say she was a shifcha kanani, so the father was an evid kanani, and therefore not halachically the father. Agiyaris, or she, there's no relatives over here. So then the halacha is potter. Halacha is the one who killed the uh, child has nobody to pay, and therefore he doesn't pay. He's potter. Says the Gemara. Here we go. This we got up to yesterday. Zog the Gemara. Four lines from the top. We said that when, when the ox wants to gore another ox and instead gores a woman and causes a miscarriage, then you, then you do not pay. It seems that if the ox intended to gore the woman, the owner of the ox would pay for Dmevladas. This is an upslog. This is a refute. On Ravada Barava, the Amar Ravada Barava, Shvarim Shedus Gavnalisha, Petur Mid Mid Vladis. He says the only time you pay for the child is when a human uh, caused the woman to miscarry. But whenever you have an ox, even if an ox intended to gore the pregnant woman, you do not pay to May Vladis. Says the Gemara, Amar Lach Ravada Barava, other Rav will say, Who I didn't feel Ms. Gavnalisha, Nami Petur Mid Mid Vladis, you're right. This that we said, when an ox intends to gore another ox, you don't pay. It doesn't mean to the exclusion of when the ox intends to gore the woman. The truth is, either way, 
whether the ox intended to go to another ox or whether he intended to go to the woman, either way, you do not pay the Mayflowdays. So why did we say an ox intent to go to another ox? Since at the end of the Mishnah, we're giving a case of Adam Shayim is Gavin we're going to mention when there's intention. There's a Pasuk uh, specifically about describing two men who are fighting and one ends up punching a pregnant woman. This has to be with Kavanah. We mentioned that as well in the beginning of the Mishnah. But the truth is, Answers the Gemara that according to the Baraba, it doesn't need to have intention. Anytime an ox scores and causes a miscarriage, you do not pay according to Ravada Barava for the value of the offspring. The other opinion is you do pay. Okay. Omar of Papa says, listen to this interesting halacha. Omar of Papa, has a shivcha An ox scores a shivcha kananis, and the children. Uh, the the baby's the baby inside is killed. You pay for the value. Now to who? So here's the halacha. This value is not even going to be paid to the father of the child. The value would be paid to the owner of the shifcha kananis, because the owner, the shifcha kananis, um, had value of a pregnant woman. Now you caused his shifcha to go down in value. So you're going to have to pay him. Says the Gemara, my time. Well, what's the reason that you pay for the you pay the owner, you pay the master? Chamarta ma'avarta ba'alma hu de izik the amar kra shavu lechem poi imachamar. The ox is considered to have damaged property like a donkey because we, by the Kananim, we know that they're am hadoyma lechamar. They're considered a nation that is doyma lechamar. That does not mean that they're considered to be animals. What this means is, is that they're considered property. There's something called an Evid Kanani, and an Evid Kanani is, go, an, an, uh, is considered property of a person. The same way if you go and damage, or your property damages somebody else's property. So an Evid Kanani is called property. An Evid Ivri is not called property. When it comes to another Yid, you can never own another Yid. He can never be your property. You can own his rights to work. Okay, where he's mechayev to work for you, but it's never an evad ivri. A Jewish servant is that is not considered property. But the Gemara is answering: Why would I be obligated to pay the owner when my ox gores the shifcha kedanis? The answer is because shifcha kedanis is considered property of the owner. Anytime you do damage to the property of somebody, you're going to have to pay. So too over here. Okay, says the Gemara writer: Kaitzad mishalim to mevaladais. Two dots back to our Mishnah. How do you evaluate the value of the child? So our Mishnah said, you look at the difference between a pregnant woman and a non-pregnant woman. Says If this is how you're going to evaluate the payment, it shouldn't say the value of the children. You know what it should say? It should say, It should say the, the evaluation or the, the, how, how it went up in value. Because you're not paying for the kids. You're paying for the gain of the woman. Not, not, you're not even paying for the children, right? No, let's think about it. The commissioner said, how do you pay for the offspring? Answers the Mishnah. Look at how much a woman's worth while she's pregnant and not while she's pregnant. Ask the Gemara, that's not paying the value of an offspring. That's paying the difference between a woman. It's a good question. Different value of the woman. I do with the kids. Says Gemara, you're right. What the Mishnah is saying is, how do you pay for the children or the or the gain in value that took place because of the children? What her value is worth physically. 
uh, monetarily while she was pregnant, and how much is worth after uh, after being pregnant. And the, that difference is going to be considered lost because of the miscarriage, and that's what you're going to pay to the uh, father of the baby. Okay. Back to the Mishnah. Rav Shem says, a woman goes up in value after she has a child. Says, what's Rav Shem Gamliel saying? What, what is he, what, what's he pointing out? Amar Rabba, Rabba explains. Rav Shem Gamliel is saying the following. Does woman go up in value when she's pregnant? Is she worth more pregnant than she is after pregnant? That's not true. A woman has has greater value on the market after uh, after giving birth. This is incredible. Why would you say so? Because she's proven she can produce more property. She's proven she could produce more property, and specifically back then, as we're going to get into the Gemara now. Actually, some of you know some of us are at the age where. You know, nowadays, I don't know what the mortality rate of childbirth is. But back then, it's specifically, it was much higher, especially with the first child. Because women, after giving birth to one child, learn what their body's capable of handling when it comes to childbirth. So a woman who hasn't yet given birth is worth less. Because we don't know how she's going to handle that childbirth. And or future children, like Rabbi Ravinsky is bringing up, right? She could possibly have more kids. She could possibly die in childbirth. This was just a reality of of risk versus reward that people would take into place. She says uh, a woman's worth more after giving birth because she's proven she could bring children into the world and she doesn't die in childbirth. She's not doesn't have danger. You you evaluate the vlados. You evaluate the offspring themselves. And that's what goes to the uh, to the father. Tana meyachi learned by Sisevalali. Bechishu b'shabach is going to yeis mishakas. Is a woman worth more pregnant than after giving birth? It's not true. Bechishu b'shabach is lachas shedeilid. Once a woman gives birth, she goes up in value. Yaisim mikadim shedeilid than beforehand because again, we there's no risk to her right now, and we see that she's capable of handling childbirth. Alishamin esavlo does when eisin lebal. The brayse says. The valuation is not in her. The valuation is in the children. Rav says, This is what the Mishnah means to say. And again, what are we here to do? We're here to clarify Rav Shimon Gamliel's statement, which is, That a woman goes up in value after giving birth. We're trying to just clarify where he was, what was bothering him, and where he's stemming from with this. So Rav says, what the, what the Mishnah means is as follows. It, by a woman, the Misha Yaladas Mishabachas, that she's worth more by giving birth, and there's nothing that she went up in value through the pregnancy. So listen to this. I'm just going to explain to you the logic that the Gemara wants to say with this line. Remember yesterday we pointed out that a pregnant cow gains weight and gains value by being pregnant. And we wanted to know, right? The Gemara is like Mesopic, how to handle, we were in doubt, how to handle that gain. If, if the owner of the, chi- uh, of the fetus was a different owner. So who has rights to that gain? Here Rabbi says that when a woman is hurt and is caused to miscarry, so we said the, the payment for the fetus goes to the father. Ask the Gemara one second. See, she herself goes up in value. She's bigger now. She's broader. She's stronger. 
with her pregnancy. Okay? And that has nothing to do with the father at all. That has, that, that's her body as well. The Ein Atzman, it's not to her, it's not to her to have Shvach Vladis at all. Rather, says Rabbi, Shaman is Havladis, you evaluate the Vladis, the nice and the Baal, and that goes to the children. But the Shvach Vladis, the amount that, that the uh, offspring caused value to go up in the woman, so then Cholkin, that's going to be divided between husband and wife. Because the fact that she has a bigger and broader uh, body now is caused by her and it's caused by the fetus which the husband has rights to. And therefore, her appreciation just bodily, now that she's uh, bigger and broader, um, that is going to be chok and that's going to be divided equally. We learned the price similarly. Does a woman only go up uh, and gain value for the one who, uh, for, for the husband, or a call for the father of the child? And nothing for shvach vladis at all? He says, you take everything separately into account. You take damage as considered one, one type of payment. And the uh, the gain in value is considered another type of of uh, uh, pain is another type of evaluation. The shamanes of vlades, and then we evaluate the vlades, the offspring, nice in the bal that goes to the husband, ushvach vlades, and the shvach that came about through the vlades, the halacha is chokin. They're going to divide. Okay, now who's in this brayso? So look at the author. Go back to the beginning of the Tani Nami Hachi. It was Omar Rav Shimon That was Rav Shimon Okay. Now the problem is that this is going to come out to be a question in Rav Shimon because in the second price that we just said, Rav Shimon says, "Who gets the gain and value of her body? It's divided between husband and wife." If Rav Shimon was talking about that in the Mishnah, he holds it goes completely. Um, it goes uh, um, uh, completely in the value of the woman. Because we said she's gaining in value after the childbirth. Well, is she gaining the value? Or is it between her and her husband? Answers the Gemara like Kasha. Kan bimivakeres. One is dealing with a bachar. Kan bishena mivakeres. With not a bachar. What does it mean? What's the difference between a firstborn and not firstborn? The same logic we said before. If she hasn't yet given birth to her firstborn, so then anything over here has nothing to, there's a real concern, and she's not appreciating in value while pregnant. Once she once she's proven that her body can handle childbirth, so now a pregnant woman, Taka, has a much higher value than a woman after pregnancy. There's minimal risk that she's going to pass away in childbirth. Her body is already proven to us. She does have childbirth, and she's holding on to, uh, uh, inside of her is another Evid, okay? Or uh, not an Evid, but another human. If, if we're not dealing with an Evid, and that will be the difference between Rav Shimon Ben Gamliel's statement. By the first pregnancy, she goes down in value and by pregnant. After that, she appreciates, uh, she appreciates in value, and that's what's divided. Okay. Says the Gemara. Amri. According to Rabbanon who say, Shvach nami that even any gain in value that occurred to the woman, that happened to the woman, her being healthier, also goes to the husband. My time, what is, uh, why would that go to husband? It's the woman's body. So why would we say that it gets divided between her and her husband? It says that the children came out, there was a miscarriage. I know she's pregnant. See, it said, when a woman's pregnant and she gets punched, then the children come out. Ask the Gemara. The Torah could have said, 
a woman gets punched and she miscarries. You could assume if she miscarries, she was pregnant. You don't need to tell me, Hara. You don't have to tell me she was pregnant. Once last time, a woman who wasn't pregnant miscarried. Okay? So it's an extra word. To teach us that even the Hara, even the pregnancy also, the same way the children in appreciation and value go to the husband, her appreciation and value due to the pregnancy goes to the husband. Rav Shemim Gamliel argues on that. Rav Shemim Gamliel, hi Hara, my darish bay. So what does he do? With the extra word telling us she's pregnant. I know she's pregnant. She just had a miscarriage. And don't tell me that it's telling me that her gain in value goes to the husband because according to Shingham Leol, it doesn't. The Royal Lechaditani needs the word hara for the following The only time if a man punches a woman and causes her to miscarry, that is only when he gives her a clap in the belly. But what happens if two guys are fighting? And this woman steps in the way, and the guy who's throwing an uppercut gives her an uppercut to the jaw. And she falls down and is now taken in for stitches. And due to the trauma of the punch to the face, she, uh, she has a miscarriage, or something like that. So then you're not, he says, it, you're, not, says you're not responsible. You're not, you're not chayv. Amar of Papa, Papa says, "Light him and can't be sorry." And Mom says, "Mom need to be in the belly." Anywhere around the area of the stomach that is heated up brings heat to the child. To exclude the hand or the foot. That let's say she gets a clap in that part of her body, and then she has a miscarriage. There's not going to be a chiv. Okay, so that's the machlekes and how to darshan the word hara. What we're learning out from the fact that the Torah has told me she's pregnant. Again, it's an extra word. I know she's pregnant. She had a miscarriage. So we have two mahalchim, two approaches. One approach is to teach us that the shvach hara and the gain in value goes to the husband. Who's she pregnant from? The husband. So he also gets her, her gain in value. Shem Leil says, no, it's teaching me that you pay any time you gave her a zetz in a place that's connected to the pregnancy. But if it's a part of a body that's not connected to the pregnancy, there's no chiv. Okay. Every when a, when a woman is pregnant, wherever if she gets a, a blow, no matter what part of her body is, yeah, it's going to affect her pregnancy. It's going to affect her body. It's not. Doctor Miller. Apparently not. Well, I hear. I hear. I, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what's bothering you. The, I, I understand what's bothering you, and what you're saying is MS. The trauma of the thing itself. Yeah. I hear. That could be grandma. I hear. The question is how closely related. Now, the reason why you're right is because we know anybody who's ever been alive and had to take care of their body is aware that one thing, not one thing, one thing we'll mention specifically that medicine has no clue how to do, is to take care of the total body. Medicine has not figured that out. You go to a somebody to take care of your heart, they could give uh, medication that helps the heart, but is, impacts the kidneys negatively, or impacts the lungs. They, 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 right. the, the, interrelated. Yeah, we know the whole body's interrelated, and <clears throat> doctors don't have, there's no way, only, the Rebbe is the only one who's Rafe Kolbasar. He's the only one who could heal the entirety of the body. Every time you go in for a procedure or a medication, 
you're negatively going to be Im- impacting a different part of the body by trying to heal this, and then it becomes a whole balancing act, and everybody trying to figure the whole thing out. So you're right. What you're saying is, and specifically when a woman's pregnant, even if she gets a zetz in the arm, in some way, shape, or form, it will impact right. the child. I, think the, I don't think the Gemara is arguing with that. I think the Gemara is just pointing out that there still is levels. There's levels of how closely related the blows need to be to start saying that this is a direct, that a, a miscarriage to that extent is a direct result of a punch in the arm. Could be grumma also. Right? Even it's a grumma or... The stomach versus punching the arm, which then causes the body to do something. Right. No, it's too little of a... Of course it's connected, but the Gemara here is assuming that it's... it's the connection is not big enough to say financial damage must be paid. So I think the Gemara is agreeing with what you're saying, just uh, applying it a little differently when it comes to finances. But point, uh, point well taken. Okay, back to the mission. If let's say the woman has no relatives, there's no father, there's no inheritance, uh, to, nobody to inherit the father, so the guy who gave the zets is going to be potter. The only time this is true was when the father was alive as a convert, so he had rights to the money, and then he died. There's nobody to inherit him, and that's why you don't need to pay. The guy who uh, the, the ger acquired it, now that the ger died, so the damagers are getting it back from the father. Says the Gemara like this. However, what happens if somebody hits a wound in a belly and she miscarries? We say, who's the, who's the papa? We say, a convert who died prior to the, to the zets. Then, she acquires, she acquires the rights to that money, okay? Um, because she's holding on to the rightful heirs of her husband. They inherit, and she gets it from them. And therefore, you're going to have to pay her. You have to pay her. I don't understand. There's still babies inside the mother. So they never made an acquisition on the property of their father. So according to you, says the Gemara, says Rechista, according to Rabba. Understand Rabba's logic? Rabba says like this. Where do we say when you hurt a woman and cause her to miscarry, when the father's a ger, you're putter? That's only when the father was alive, had rights to the money, died. So now the damager, it's Hefker. So he could acquire the rights just like anybody else. You don't pay. There's no reason to pay. But if the father was already dead, then the babies inside inherited the father. And then once they're killed, the mother gets it from the babies. So you would have to pay the mother. Says the Gemara, really? Like that's like did the kids ever make an acquisition on this? That's the Gemara's question, right? Yeah, did the kids acquire it? Ella rather says If the husband is alive, then the Torah gives it to him. Let's say the husband's not here, 
then the Torah, according to the Torah, there's no payment at all. It's not that he gets it and then it becomes Hefker. There's Pasha, no payment. That's a challenging question on this. One second. If you hit a woman and she miscarries, nice and you should give the Nezik and Tsar to the woman herself. It's her own damage. It's her own pain. The kids go to the Baal. If let's say there's no father of the kids, nice and the Arsha. It goes to his family. What if the woman gets killed? Nice and the then it goes to her inheritors. Okay. Um, now, why is it going to her inheritors? Either there's no husband or she's not married, whatever whatever the circumstances are. But she has a right to it, then it goes to her family. He's for himself. So what do you see from here? That even after the ger died, the halacha is you, um, you don't need to pay. You don't need to pay. This is a kasha. There's a question on Rabba. Rabba's an Amira. The Bryce here says you don't need to pay even when the husband, uh, even when the husband died. So what, what's Rabba going to respond? Amri, they explain, Umi Adifa Mimasnisan. Is this Brysa greater than the Mishnah? Basically, what we're answering is, very nice, you have a question on Rabba for the Brysa, but we have a, a Mishnah, which, uh, which is, is helpful to Rabba. Do Kimna, we established the Mishnah, Shechavah Babachaya Ger. We established the Mishnah, we're talking about where the Ger is alive, Umesa Ger, and then the Ger died. Hachanami, and that's why your potter, Hachanami, Shechava Babachayager, Umeisager. We'll say the same thing in this case. Where you could say that we're dealing with a case where he hit her after the father died, top of Amadbez, the Tani, and we're teaching Zachsa that she acquires the rights. Okay, which means that you're not potter, uh, but, uh, but it means that somebody else is going to acquire it, and who is it? It's going to be that woman. Okay, so we have Machlekes Amiram about when the woman takes on the, the rights to acquire the value of the offspring. Let's say that this Machlekes Amiram is actually an earlier Machlekes between Tanayim. How so? Here we go. If you have a, a, a Jewish woman who marries a Ger, she marries a convert. And she conceives. And somebody causes her a miscarriage while the, the husband slash father is alive. So you pay the father. Clear cut. He's like any other Jewish man. What happens if she was married to a ger? And then the ger died after she conceived. And then she miscarries. One Bryce says, you got to pay so it seems the same as Rabbah and Rav Chista, whether or not the wife acquires the payment. Says the Gemara, the according to Rabbah, it's certainly a machlekes tanoim, because according to Rabbah, we see the Brisa says that uh, which says you don't pay at all. Rabbah says you are going to pay her. So according to Rabbah, we certainly have a dispute, meaning. There's a Brysa coming against him, and he's an Amir. So if he's going to be arguing with a Brysa, that means he has another Brysa backing him up. Otherwise, he wouldn't hold any weight. So Rabbah, according to his opinion, he certainly has to agree that there's a dispute over here. But according to Rav should we say that there is a, uh, a Mach like us? Or maybe somehow the, uh, you know, the, the Brysas work out with him. He says, like Kasha, he says, you know, both Brysas uh, do work out with him. And he's fine. Uh, one Bryce is going to be following the opinion of the Rabbanon. Um, 
which which uh, is going to be saying that regularly the father would receive payment, and now that there's no father, you're going to be potter. Rav Shingomil, another brisa, is going to be finding the opinion of Rav Shingomil, who says that it does get passed on to the woman. Okay, so even if the person's, uh, even if this woman's husband is not around anymore, no matter when he died, you're still going to be chayev. Why? It's going to go to her. Says If that brisa is following the opinion of Rav Shingomil, and you're still chayev after the the ger died. Why does it say that you hit her after he died? According to Rosh Hashanah, it doesn't make a difference when he died. Even if he was alive, she's going to get part of the payment. During his life, she gets half. After his death, if he had already passed away, then she would get the entire thing. Now, if he was alive, she gets half. And who would get the other half? If he then dies afterwards, the inheritors. The inheritors of his, uh, of his family. Or you could give another approach. You could say, Both Bryce's are following the opinion of uh, Rav Shimon ben uh, Rav Shimon Gamliel, who says that the woman has rights to the payment. One Bryce is dealing with the amount that she went up because she was pregnant. The other one is dealing with the value of the Vladis themselves. So any amount that she went up, she gets payment for, for sure. It's her body. And uh, it was in a, true, it went up in value because the pregnancy, so the father of the child should get some of it. So Hulkin, they're going to, uh, they're going to split it. But the Bryce would say she doesn't get anything. That's going to be dealing with the children themselves. Amri, they said, Bishvach Vlades, Lishma Dumei Vlades. When it says Shvach Vlades, for the fact that we're saying that she went up in value, this implies that Dumei Vlades, that the value of the children themselves also, are going, a woman has a, a woman has rights to okay because if she if if you're going to say like this follow the logic this gishmak if you're going to say like this if you're going to say that her physical going up in value is because of the pregnancy and we're still giving her value that means that she has a yad in the payment of the pregnancy she she does have rights within the baby. She does have financial rights. And since she has financial rights within the payment of the baby, let me tell you something. She shouldn't only get rights to her own value, her own appreciation. She should even get rights uh, to the baby themselves. Amri, they said, um, there's a difference because the gain in value that she got, the shaykha yoda value that she played a role in it because it's, it's uh, her body. Zohar uh, Rav Shingamli will say that she gets the, the entire thing if he's gone. Because she already had her hand in it. Once her hand was in it and she to receive payment, you move from half to whole. To Mei Vladis, when it comes to the children themselves, that if her husband was alive, she wouldn't get any of that money. She never had rights in it initially. And since she never ever had unique rights in it initially, so then we'll say that um, if the husband dies, she doesn't acquire those rights. In other words, if you're part of something and the other partner is gone, you step in. If you're never part of any payment and the person who was there is gone, where's your rights start? Not necessarily there. His family is going to inherit the will, will inherit the children. Okay. New Shaila. New Shaila. There's a complete change and shift that what the Gavara now is going to get into until the Mishnah is just get into the halachas of a ger. We know that when a person converts to Judaism, they're like a reborn 
person, they don't have any relatives, we're going to get into various zuchus and various ways for people to merit to receive the property of a convert. Rav Yena Saba asked a question searching for information from Reb Nachman. Listen to this. You have a convert who dies, there's nobody to inherit. I quickly run over to his house and I take all of his IOUs of people owe him money. I know this guy's a mortgage lender. Yeah, this guy has a bunch of loans. So I go and I take a bunch of documents that he has. Yeah? Mahu, what is the halacha? Do I get it? Can I take payment of the documents or not? Do we say that whoever grabs hold of the document intends to take hold of any liens on the land that are written in the document? Now here's the problem. The problem is all you have is a piece of paper. You never made a chazaka on land. If you want to acquire land from a convert, you have to go show chazaka on the land. So when I take the document... If I haven't, do we say that since you haven't made a chazak on the land itself that you want to lean on, so that didn't do you any good at all? I don't more perhaps, that my, my das was also to acquire the actual document, and I acquired the document, and the document says you get the land. So that could be an afkamina, says the shayla, the shayla of, over whether or not you get the land. Again, if by grabbing the document my intention is to get the property, you don't get the property. Because you never made a kid in the property. But if my intention was to get the document that states rights of the property, then maybe you'll get the property. Because you don't need to make a chazaka. Amar Lai, he said to him, He says, uh, you know, uh, it's basically a simple answer, which is that why in the world would somebody intend to just acquire the document? A guard dies, you go running into his house to acquire documents. You want paper? Is that why he ran to grab that? Of course not. Why'd you go and grab the documents? Because you want the land. You want the property. Well, guess what? That's the problem. Because you want the property and you didn't make a chazok on the property, it ain't yours. Because otherwise, what's a piece of paper going to do for you? Paper's garnished without the property. Omar Lehi says to him, you're right, lotzor of lotzor. You're right, lotzor of lotzor means wrap it up, wrap it up. Um, that... Uh, there's, there, there's no reason to assume uh, no reason to assume otherwise. Okay. Says the Gemara Vaiter Ramarabo. Rabba says, Mashkoinoi shall Yisrael be ger. If let's say you have a mashkin of Yisrael in the hands of a ger. So um, a, a convert lent $1,000 to a Jew and he says, I want the, uh, I want a collateral. Okay, I want a collateral. So the Yid gives him a $1,000 uh, item. Whatever, okay? The Yid gives him a $1,000 item as collateral. And then the Ger dies. So, Mashkin Shedabi had Ger, Umesa Ger. Uboy Yisrael Acher, another Yid comes, the Hichsigboy, and takes the collateral. We give it back to the borrower. My time. Why? Kivan the Mesla Ger, as soon as the Ger died, here's what happens. Pakale Shibude, the loan gets erased. Because there's nobody who inherited the loan. So as soon as the Ger died, the Yid no longer had to give back the $1,000. His Shibud is gone. And when his Shibud's gone, what happens to collateral? It goes back to his ownership. To the original Yid's why, ownership. Why the Shibud? Because as soon as the Ger dies, there's, uh, without heirs... Oh, he had no heirs. Yeah, assuming he has no heirs. So this Ger lends $1,000 and takes a $1,000 mashkin. And then he dies. As soon as he died, 
the loan fell off because there's nobody to pay the loan to. It's Hefker, so I just keep the money. The borrower keeps the money. And therefore, the Mashkin now is not the Gers. The Mashkin is now really back to being the borrowers. And therefore, if somebody goes and takes the Mashkin, we'll take it away from him. Yeah? We take it away from From the person who took it. Yes, and what do we do with it? Give it back to the borrower. The borrower gets his Mashkin back. It was only in the Gers' domain as long as I owed him money. Now that I don't owe him money, it's mine. Nobody could just take it. Right? It wasn't the Gers to take it. Okay. Yeah, they, they think of everything. Of course. <laughs> of course. What if the convert borrowed $1,000 from a Yid? What if the convert borrowed $1,000 from a Yid? And then the convert died without paying back. Another Yid goes and takes the collateral. They're all looking for the Gar's property. Somebody says, oh, I heard he had property that he gave as a collateral to Yale. So somebody goes and he gets, oh, well, grab the property. Halacha is Halacha is like this You can tell the guy Who's coming to collect The value that he borrowed from me I keep in the mashkin The extras you get Okay So Ger borrows from you A thousand dollars He gives you a mashkin worth Fifteen hundred dollars That if he defaults You could sell And take the payment Ger dies. The mashkin, somebody comes and grabs it. You didn't acquire it yet. You didn't even hear that he died, let's say. Allah is, the original amount that you lent, you still get through the collateral. Any extra amount, the guy who grabbed it will get. We'll get the extra, uh, extra 500 bucks. Says Amai, why should the guy who grabbed it get extra money? I don't understand. Tikni lechatzerai. The fact that it was in your domain, what the, what's the collateral? You have it now. That's your domain. Should acquire it for you. So you're the first one to get it. A guy goes and grabs it. It's ready my property. Get out of here. Get in tug. Have a good, what are we doing? Right? If something's in your property and it's ownerless, it acquires for you, even without your knowledge. Army, they said, what's the case? What are we dealing with? The lesse. Let's say the lender was not around. He wasn't around in town. So what? If he's in town, by his property, so then if, since he wanted to acquire it with his property, his property could acquire it. If you have the personal ability to do it, your property could do that for you. However, if you were not around in town to acquire it when the ger died, said if he wanted to acquire it, he couldn't. You're, you're, the chutzer wouldn't acquire it. And therefore, when this guy comes along and grabs it, he does get that extra value because you never acquired it. The is that only when the collateral is not in the property of the lender is when he does not acquire it. But let's say, let's say you had the collateral, let's say you had the mashkin and the ger died, what's the halacha? You keep it the entire amount. Allah is you don't need to be with your property. So if a ger gives you a $1,500 collateral for a $1,000 loan, and somebody grabs it after the ger dies, they got to give the whole thing back. Well, I took it. It was already my property. So I acquired it. And the story, the whole thing goes to the, the entire amount goes to the lender. Period. End of the Gemara. Okay. Brand new sugya. 
somebody who digs a pit in a private domain and then it gets opened into a public domain. Okay, what does this mean? It means like this. The land is my land, but I dig a hole in a way that it could cause a stumbling block at the edge of a Rosh Hashanah. Okay? So you can do damage in a public domain. I, or, Rosh Hashanah, he dug a pit in a public domain, and the opening of it is uh, angled, and that it, uh, it goes to his private property. Or, I dig a hole in my land, and it's opened up into my neighboring courtyard. The halacha is chayav. In all these cases, you are chayav. You are uh, obligated to pay. Um, let's hold it here. Let's hold it here. Brand new sugya. We'll learn the mission again tomorrow, Mr. Hashem, 9.30 a.m. Have a wonderful, wonderful Erev Shabbos.